What does a duck call his psychiatrist? A quack! This is Sexy Dad Show. This is Johnny Spaz. This is Johnny Spaz. Welcome to Sexy Dad Jokes. Hey, Benjamin, what do you get when you cross a thought with a light bulb? Hey there, Johnny Spaz. What do you get when you cross a thought with a light bulb? A bright idea? Oh! Oh, Johnny Spaz, that joke nearly gave me a headache. Uh, ha, 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 ha. Hey, what does a dog need to become a therapy dog? What? A dog turret. Not bad. Not bad. Hey, guys. Hey, guys, guys, guys. I ran to some doctors and told them I think someone was trying to kill me. Oh, geez, Murs, what happened? Well, thankfully, they offered me asylum. Oh! <laughs> oh Whoa! Well, golly, that was quite the mind bender. Hey! Say, what did the third place runner say to the guy behind him? What? May the fourth be with you. Oh! <laughs> oh, square fifties guy. That joke was a little. Forceful. Okay, all together now. Welcome to Sex Oh, Ben's getting some bright. Ben's blinded. Blinded by the light. Got my tanning quota for the year. Let's not get DCMA. <laughs> Don't think of me. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sexy Dad Jokes, the show where we strive to become better men through a healthier form of manliness. As always, I'm Ben Jammin, along with Johnny Spaz. Hello, Mike Mers. Hello, Josh Richards. What's happening? And the ever bull, ever below, ever bull, the ever bull. <laughs> we just gonna start adding, adding words to the dictionary. Uh, 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 yeah, right. what we're gonna do? Right there, buddy. Yeah, what's going on? The ever bull, square fifties guy, Richard Richards the third junior. Bunch of numbskulls, if you ask me. Ever-ble? Oh boy. Ever-ble. <laughs> we are ever a bunch of beatniks here. over here. Right next uh, to Bootylicious. You know how they add words to the dictionary? Never mind. Bo- <laughs> Sorry. Added like you, were, you missed a whole conversation about Bootylicious, which is apparently in the dictionary. Is it that is. true? It was added like 20 years ago, and there's a whole process, and we're not going to get into it because we're going to discuss yeah. mental health which instead of me going crazy. I just wanted to we'll see the panel. Know joy of hearing a PhD guy say bootylicious. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did because he quite he's like, what? He Back in the green room. Yeah. Yep. Uh Mers, is bootylicious in the Constitution? No, not yet. 
We are looking at a 57th Amendment. 57th Amendment. Thou shalt bootylicious. Thou shalt (laughs) bootylicious. We're we're apparently going to go biblical with this, too. (laughs) I know. That's what I was thinking, too. Like, why why thou shalt? That's not how we write. (laughs) That's what they say in the Constitution, right? No, that's not. Oh, that's the that's a ten commandments. There's ten commandments. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Listen, Johnny Spaz is losing it. He's doing it for the memes, everybody. He's doing it for the memes. Do it for the memes. Do it for the memes. Do it for the memes. Hey, I love it. That's all. That's all I can do. You know, just one day at a time, and do it for the memes. Holy shit! That tickled. <laughs> I thought you did it to make kids. <laughs> what? Okay, so episode fifteen, Mental Manly Health Month, and for the record, this episode is being uh, is being released in June, after the month of May, also known as Mental Health Awareness Month. So, oops. <laughs> so- <laughs> So that's the news. Somebody got their wires crossed. Oopsie. It is. It, June is Pride Month. June is also Juneteenth. Uh, mm. But we're still stuck on the mental health awareness. And uh, some of us may never, ever get out of it. Mm. Nope. Whoopsie doodle. Kind of like when they put me in that padded white room. Oh, no. <laughs> With the straight jacket. That'll help you get Hide straight. Rats? I had rats once. <laughs> okay. But okay. Uh, it's an important First, topic, which is <laughs> why we wanted to bring it back. We're bringing sexy back. Bring in sexy dad jokes back. Who did that song? Uh, Timberlake. What? <laughs> what? Well, JT? He's, not very, he's not very bootylicious. Hey, I got a June joke. Do ya? I bet yeah. you do. What's the difference between a tire and 365 used condoms? A good year. One's a good year. The other's <laughs> a great year. Okay. What is Moby oh, Dick's dad's name? Right there. Right oh, there. gosh. There he is. Mm. What is Moby Dick's dad's name? Please direct your questions and comments to Johnny Spaz three one four. Papa Boner. <laughs> one eternity later. Gosh, I can't. I think I'm getting an email from the FCC. <laughs> <laughs> they said you spell it with one n, not two. What do you call someone who refuses to fart in public? I don't know. Adult. <laughs> A private tutor. Oh. now this viewers is why we are doing a mental health month episode in june because of that flipping new jerseyite right there in the right corner (laughs) it's all his fault Oh my yeah. goodness. He's the type that chooses to be from New Jersey. That's the problem. <laughs> I wouldn't choose. <laughs> what do you hey, it's not a choice, okay? I chose I thought, to leave. I just I thought I thought we all got to choose slightly worse place. I thought uh, we all got to choose like different different characteristics. Like isn't this an RPG? Maybe, yes. 
Okay, so That's you... That's not true. I live in your mind. <laughs> did you use the force? I, I did. did. I'm going to pee myself. <laughs> it's like you're in a hobbit hole and we haven't even started. Well, no. I said I had to wear pants. I'm not standing up today. I can't do it. No, or else you burn it. everything down there. You got to show them your emerald tuxedo. I think my boxers are green, so we should be fine. <laughs> I think we all could use a little therapy right now. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So episode 15. Being ma- we're, we're producing this in June. We're just going to be up front about that. Uh, we had planned uh, to come out with this episode uh, last in May. Uh, but we changed our plans because... Uh, pretty impromptu the day of i literally came to the shoot and was like guys i can't tell dad jokes uh i'm really struggling with the with 19 kids yeah and that was one of i i would say that's probably my my favorite episode we've ever done uh it was just so real and raw and i really want to thank you fellas for holding that space with me uh, and everything you contributed to that conversation, I, that really, that episode is why we do what we do. Uh, and we did it. Um, and, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about mental health month. So especially when we talk about toxic masculinity, uh, stoicism, rugged individualism, uh, and sort of like, we want to give people permission to be able to be vulnerable to, to say something when you need help. Yeah. I I think also that, that, that this is uh, episode 16 because the last one wasn't numbered. If that makes sense. Oh, so this we is 16. I believe we are on 16 as this was slated for 15, but then we right. did a last right. minute. So then we had so. to change at the last minute. Yeah. So So, I just wanted to put, throw that out there. And uh, later on, I'm going to mess that up and I'm not going to correct myself. Yeah, that's okay, Ben. We're, (laughs) we're the type of forgiving individuals that unless your name is Spaz, we will forgive you. Do what you love. See, I don't forgive that. Also, (laughs) you're not a real man. If you can't live up to your own mistakes. Yep. Yep. Admit your mistakes, your future mistakes, especially on the top right corner. (laughs) <laughs> yeah where are your parents because they need to admit a lot of mistakes <laughs> i'm doing all the things i was never allowed one, to do as a child one don't drink on your anniversary you end up with a spaz <laughs> <laughs> two if you do drink on your anniversary think about what what happened that night because it became a spaz it was spaz well, Three, arm yourself with a sandal to whap that mother <laughs> all across the back of the head. You can always make another one that looks just like him. It's what, easy. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> Ben's in control of our voices. Every time I'm around now, I'm so sick and damn tired of this New Jersey jabroni farting <laughs> and flapping his gums. And the little ginger, chaotic, little bald bastard having fuel to the fire. This is some capital B ball out. And that's about as bad as I said so. Wow. So cold showed up. 
Stone Cold showed up and called me a ginger. <laughs> no one said I could see color, right? <laughs> I see beer, blood, and bullshit, and I see three squares of bullshit on this podcast right now. What? 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 Don't, don't be so hard on yourself. I see beer. <laughs> did we? Did we talk about our special guest today? Well, we have a special treat for you all. Oh, yeah, we do. Uh, the return of a very special guest uh, that uh, we had on uh, last episode that's going to help us tackle some of these complex topics. And yeah, today's episode, we got a lot planned. It's going to be quite the event for sure. Mm -hmm. That is mm -hmm. definitely the case. Uh oh. What? <laughs> you might even say it's quite the shindig. Hey, Square 50s guy, what are you doing here, Richard? Well, Ben, my boy, I couldn't help but overhear you talking about all this mental health business, and I thought I would share a quick tale of a recent venture I made that fits with the narrative of this episode. Oh, really, Square 50s guy? Well, by all means, tell us your tale. Well, well, you see, it happened a long time ago, in a actually last week, in a galaxy far, far away. You know, for being a galaxy with all this fancy space travel, it seems like there's no one around to talk to. I've heard of treading down a lonesome road, but this is ridiculous. No therapy reward is worth this. Hello there. Gadzooks! Who are you? Oh, don't be afraid. Come here, my skittish friend. Now, why would I want to do that, mystery magic man? You just appeared out of nowhere. How did you do that, anyway? Calm down, calm down. The life of a Jedi is a pathway to many abilities that some consider to be... supernatural. A jet? I? Since when do planes have eyes? Is that some sort of sinister technology used by the Red Menace? <laughs> you seem very stressed, my friend. Why don't you tell me what is bothering you? First off, the name is Richard Richards the Third Junior. And you, Mr. Mystery, shouldn't be sticking your nose into other people's business. Please, please, call me Ben. Ben? You wouldn't happen to know a Benjamin, would you? No? Ah, doesn't matter. What makes you think I need help, anyway? You're panicking, and your palms are sweaty. I sense you are feeling rather uneasy. Wait, wait, wait. You can sense my feelings? You can't tell what- you, you can tell what's in my mind? That's just preposterous. That, and you shouting about therapy was a dead giveaway. <laughs> ah. Well, you got me there. You're right, I'm a little stressed up. There has been so much going on in my life that I can't seem to figure out what to do. It's as if my emotions are like dogs without a leash. 
and the mailman is coming to town. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure I understand your reference, friend. I can't get a hold of my feelings! Easy now, my friend. Emotions are part of life. They are as part of you as any limb and every breath. What must be done is first finding an understanding of your feelings. Find out where they are and why they are acting up. Once that is done, more necessary steps can be taken. You mean like quieting my emotions with some smooth, mild Chesterfields and a highball? <laughs> you don't need to take an afternoon highball. <laughs> I don't need to take an afternoon highball. And you don't need to keep smoking either. And I don't need to keep smoking. Now wait just a minute, Buster. Let's not get crazy here. Mind trick me once. Shame on you. Mind trick me twice. That's just plain rude. My apologies. But you should know how to handle your emotions. There isn't a need to hide and eliminate them. Simply put, you need to understand why you feel the way you do and think about how you want to behave and leave the impression you want to make. When anger begins to boil inside you, realize why you feel that way and begin to try and feel differently about the situation. Anger and fear are ways to darkness and despair. Remember this saying that my master once told me, Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. And hate leads to suffering. The only person that can decide whether you are happy or not is you. You may be right there, Ben. You're not such a kick in the teeth after all. Not in my eyes. Say, you know what? I think I not only have learned something here today, but I also gained inspiration too. I think I'm going to start a book about what it takes to get a grip on your emotions and better yourself for those around you. Hmm. An excellent idea, Richard. I wish you all the best on your venture. Remember, the Force will be with you. Always. Whoa. Right. <laughs> Obi oh Richard Kenobi. God. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was incredible. Oh, yeah. There's really That's... only two things we need to remember. Han shot first, <laughs> and only a Sith deals in absolutes. Which is an absolute. Stop it! Don't <laughs> ruin it! Don't ruin it! <laughs> <laughs> that was the uh, Alec, Alec Guinness... Sir Alec Guinness. Yeah, that was well done. That was really the end there where you said the force will be with you always. Goodness, that was that was well done. Thank yeah. you. You all been watching Obi Wan? No, so I don't spoil it for me. I haven't watched the recent episode yet, so no spoilers. No spoilers. I haven't start watching <sighs> it yet. episode three. I haven't seen four yet. I don't I'm even want to hear it. I don't. I even got my hand on the leave button. I got my hand on the leave button right now. <laughs> Okay, so the first thing that happens. First off, Picard shows up. Yeah, Picard shows oh, up with a fucking Picard. Don't mix Trek and Wars. <laughs> yeah, you can mix them. Star Trek Wars. Don't cross the streams. 
It's the best Shatner shows ever. up and talks about Priceline, so Obi Wan can travel the galaxy at <laughs> a much better price. And then and then Mal shows up with uh, the Firefly, and it's just total chaos. <laughs> oh my god! All of a sudden, they go from lasers to bullets, and nobody can teleport anymore. And whoever heard oh. of the Wow. Trouble with triples right there. That is the trouble with triples. They just keep procreating. It's like spaz. On a good year. It's like spaz on a good year. I procreate without the create part. It's like you're, you're no pro. What's that even mean? Pull and pray, maybe. He's he's amic. He's, he's an amic creator. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, Square 50s guy. Who knows what shenanigans he'll get into next? Maybe those words aren't the droids. I mean, the advice he was looking for, eh, fellas? Is there nothing Richard won't do? Uh, he won't give up cigarettes, that's for sure. <laughs> you gotta give up them death sticks. You gotta give up the death sticks. <laughs> you will give up the death sticks. <laughs> death I'm gonna sticks. go home that's and rethink funny. my life. Yeah, that's what it was. I gotta go home and rethink my life. I gotta go home and rethink my life. <laughs> <laughs> rethink my life. I don't know what I'm doing. Smooth, mild Chesterfield death sticks. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need the smooth, mild Chesterfield death sticks. Oh, that's just ridiculous. Rude. Rude, <laughs> I say. <laughs> All right. Well, so today, as we mentioned before... Uh, we are continuing the conversation around mental health awareness month, uh, in June and, uh, and the intersection between mental health and masculinity and manliness. Uh, and we also realized that we wanted some backup on this conversation. Uh, so we decided to phone a friend, have him help us on this, uh, mental emotional journey. Uh, and he joined us actually just uh, in our last episode when we were planning to do Mental Health Month. Uh, but we had that big conversation around the shooting or shootings. Yeah. Uh, and he also joined us previously on our Father's Day episode uh, last year. And now he's back to help uh, psych us up about mental health. Yeah? Huh? Oh, Anything? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> no. No. Okay. No. Uh, he is the director of the Inland Northwest Compassionate Mind Center. He just came out with a new book, Experiencing Compassion Focused Therapy from the Inside Out. He is an expert on compassion focused therapy, so much so he gave a TEDx talk on it. So without further ado, please welcome back onto the show, Dr. Russell Cole. <laughs> Hello, Dr. Colts. Great to see you again. How are you? I'm doing great. That's the best welcome I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. Yes, and we're really grateful to have you on the show with your uh, just incredible, deep experience uh, in clinical settings uh, and also just your, your vantage points uh, on what's happening on a societal level. So it's just... Yeah, really wonderful to have your expert insight. Well, thanks for having me. It's great. You guys talk about the real stuff. <laughs> Welcome. Yes. Good to have you here, man. Uh, so this being 
post mental health month, um, there, it's pretty clear that when, when we talk about men, uh, that there's this feeling that we need to be stoic, unemotional, uh, that we cannot allow ourselves to be vulnerable under any circumstances. And that means we must bottle in our emotions um, and sort of, you know, go it alone, figure it out for yourself, be a man, suck it up. Um, and for me, that's like, and, and we're seeing it with these shootings, like there's this sickness, right? There's this sickness in, in, uh, amongst men where men feel isolated. They're hurting. They have these, I don't care who you are. We all feel emotions. We all have emotional needs, whether you are a man or not. But men aren't allowed to express that. Uh, and so we're just not well equipped to handle that. And so how do we as men striving to be the best men that we can be? How do we like, I even just simply identify that this is happening in ourselves, like naming the emotions that are coming up. Oh, what, what have you seen in, in your experience, Dr. Colts? Well, you know, I think you, you captured that pretty well. I think, um, you know, there, there are all these messages that we've inherited from the culture that have this idea that to be a real man, you kind of supposed to have it together all the time, right? You're in control all the time. You're supposed to be strong and strong means you don't feel vulnerable. You don't feel sad. You don't feel anxious. You don't feel that stuff. And it's a real setup because as you said, Ben, we all have these feelings, right? Our brains evolved. Actually, we have these feelings for really good reasons, right? We feel anxious. You know, evolution gave us anxiety so we can anticipate things going wrong and fix them, right? We've got fear and anger to meet threats. So our brains, those aren't weak, you know, from, from the standpoint of compassion-focused therapy, when we feel afraid or scared or angry, that's not something wrong with us. That's our brain saying, hey, I've registered a threat and we need to do something about this, right? But if men get this idea that I shouldn't feel particularly vulnerable emotions, we're kind of allowed to feel anger. Anger is kind of aggressive. That's kind of, we kind of get a pass on that, I think. But, you know, vulnerable emotions like anxiety or fear or sadness, right? Traditionally speaking, that's not very manly, but we all feel that stuff anyway. And so if we think, oh, I'm not, I'm not supposed to feel that. And then we do. Well, what do we, you know, what do we take from that? Oh, that's something that's wrong with me, right? If I, if I do feel it, that means I'm weak. That means something bad about me. There are cognitive dissonance in there. Yeah, absolutely. Like the cognitive dissonance, right, is when, when we think conflicts with the reality of what's going on and it's a complete setup. Right, because we all have these feelings. So I think the first like antidote to what you're talking about, Ben, is is and this is why I'm so glad you guys are talking about this stuff all the time, is for men to be able to just give themselves permission and say, Yeah, I feel stuff. And that's just part of being a human being. You know, and maybe instead of calling myself weak when I'm scared or anxious or whatever, I could say, Oh, look, I'm kind of sad today, huh? I wonder what that's about. I think it has to do with our progression as well. Uh, just as people, right? If you go up the Maslow's hierarchy, if you aren't feeling good self-esteem or, or 
some of those other good emotions or expressing them or open to them, then how are you ever going to progress past that physiological and then security and then self-esteem matters, right? So if you're not allowing yourself yeah. to be loved or love back, because love is a recept- reciprocal thing, right? You can't, at least as far as I know, you can't be. love unless you allow yourself to be loved. And that seems to be in conflict if you're not expressing that. Yeah. And, and it's not, I want to say, to say very clearly, I, I think sometimes when, when people hear terms like toxic masculinity, they get the idea that people are saying men are bad or there's something wrong with men. And there's nothing wrong with men. It's just that, that we're kind of set up, right? We've got these cultural messages that are handed down that, that sometimes say, well, if you shouldn't feel this, you shouldn't feel this, you shouldn't feel this. But once that's in place, it's, it's really tricky because, you know, another part of it is a lot of those emotions are emotions that are kind of uncomfortable, right? It's not fun to be anxious. It's not fun to feel sad. It's not fun to be scared. So we kind of want to turn away from it and pretend we don't have it anyway, right? We, we don't really want to turn toward it. And that's why I talk about compassion. People hear compassion. I think, oh, that's soft and sweet. And no, compassion is about turning toward the really scary, uncomfortable thing and saying, oh, this really sucks. I wonder what would help working with this. Yeah, doc- you know, so we tend to turn. Go ahead, Ben. Dr. Colts, um, can you tell us what is compassion focused therapy? Because it sounds like some beatnik, liberal, <laughs> soft and fluffy thing. That's no, we're trying to get or something. <laughs> certainly not something a real man would take part in. I got wisdom. Airy fairy, right? Uh, Compassion-focused therapy, well, it's about using compassion to work with difficult emotions. And by compassion, a lot of times, again, when people, particularly men, and I've done anger, compassion-focused therapy groups for anger in prisons, right? So these were some tough dudes. And I've had guys literally rolling their eyes at me. I said, we're going to do compassion-focused therapy. And they roll their eyes at me because they hear compassion and they think, ooh, compassion, (laughs) <laughs> oh, let's all be nice and sweet and let everybody off the hook and give everybody everything they want. And that's what kittens. they think. <laughs> yeah, kittens and cotton candy and ice cream and, you know, Beautiful. all that stuff's great. But that's not what compassion is. Compassion actually is about what we do when shit gets real. Hey. Compassion is about what we do when suffering shows up. And what happens is if you look at the major forms of mental illness, the things that really, in, in many cases, anxiety disorders, depression, things like that, that, that give us real emotional problems, what happens is people suffer. They're having a hard time, and they tend to meet that suffering with avoidance, right? We just distract ourselves or pretend that it's not happening or, you know, or self-attacking. The fact that I'm having the struggle means something bad about me, means I'm weak or soft or whatever, And compassion is a different way of relating to suffering that involves turning towards it and going, oh, wow, this is really hard, acknowledging that you're suffering or acknowledging that someone else is suffering, and then just asking the question, given that this suffering is here, what would be helpful in working with it? But but that's that's why the, the, the masculine gender norms are so tricky, because if I can't even look at it and admit to myself, oh, I'm scared, or I'm anxious, or I'm sad, or I'm torn up, or I'm heartbroken, if I can't even admit that, then how do I work with it helpfully? Then I can't even ask the question, what would be helpful? Because I, I'm not even acknowledging that it exists. 
Yeah, and when right, you're in so a, we just go ahead, Spaz. So when you're in a group setting, a social setting where that's almost punitive to be open and hmm. vulnerable, and where you're, if you work a job where you can't afford or have the time to feel those things because you're reacting most of the time and it becomes almost impossible to uh, recognize that it's okay to have a reaction as a red flag rather than something that is going to be your identity forever because you opened up to something. I don't know. I'm going to an extremes because it, it makes me think of mindfulness stuff that I learned in the VA. And I sat in a room with people who were in the thick of the war. These are people who are broken to the point where they can't be in society functional. Like they don't have jobs, hundred percent disability. They can't function. And we learned mindfulness. We learned how to treat yeah. things as a red flag and, and recognize it. So that would give us the ability to sense why we should, why are we specifically feeling this so we could unpack it and learn how to go through this and use it as a tool and become more healthy. And I think a lot of people in a lot of groups just avoid that altogether. And I think that goes to what you're talking. That's about. what, that's what you're, you're describing. Dr. Colts is mindfulness this ability to just simply the act of identifying the emotion you're feeling can often yeah. be healing in and of itself. Well, what's interesting is there's actually research on this. I think we may have mentioned it last time. There's research. When we name an emotion, when I say, oh, I'm angry, the part of the brain, the amygdala that helps fire off that anger gets turned down. The volume gets turned down a little bit. So simply by doing what you guys are talking about, mindfully noticing, oh, this is what it like, it's like right now. What am I feeling? And naming it, you help soften the intensity of yeah. the emotion. Man. But all that begins with sort of acknowledging that we're feeling it, you know? Man, I'll tell you what, 478 has given me my life back. <laughs> <laughs> breathe in for four, hold it for seven, breathe out for eight, repeat as needed. Boom, done. Yeah. Take a few it seconds. It helps so much. I, I, well, and people, people think, oh, you're gonna, oh, you want me to slow down my breath? I mean, it, it, what the, that's gonna do? And what they keep it, don't think about is your breath, your body is connected directly to the emotional parts of your brain. So when when your body, when your heart's racing and your blood pressure's all t tense, that's part of what your your emotional centers of your brain. That's part of the information they're getting. So they think, oh, my body's, my blood pressure, I must be really threatened. I must be really angry or really scared, right? Um, but when we slow down our breath, not only are we shifting our body, but we're sending messages to the brain that indicate, actually, I'm, I'm okay. I'm a little calmer now. And that helps soften the brain. And that affects how we think, too. So I I'm so glad you said that, Johnny, because slowing down our breath doesn't just affect the body. It changes the brain. It affects how we think. And so... It's, it's, I think slowing down the breath is the single most powerful psychological technique we have. It's definitely helpful. I mean, if you remember <laughs> to do it, you know, if you put it in your mind that, you know, this is the kind of training that they gave us in the military. It's like, they don't train you not to react. They train you how to react. So it's, it's, yeah. more, it's more, it's not about not reacting. If you're not reacting, that's part of the problem because you're getting a flag and you're ignoring it and you're just passing the signs. You know, and ignoring those signs is, can be, in my experience, detrimental to your health in a very powerful, potent way where you will leave or lead a life that's not your own. 
in a way. It'd be driven by it rather than driving it. How you feel is an emotional. Yeah. Well, if we're always just reacting to our emotions or getting caught up in them rather than working with them, it's, it's hard to be in control of our behavior. Yeah. Right. Much better if we can mindfully notice, oh, I'm kind of angry right now, rather than just running with it and saying or doing something that's going to dismantle, you know, cause problems in our lives. If we go, wow, I'm really angry right now. I wonder what would help. Do I want to send that email <laughs> or should I slow down <laughs> my breath, breath for a little bit and take a walk? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that four, seven, eight, I freaking love. It's like a, almost literally a reboot of the mind. Yeah. Uh, and I, when I do it, uh, because when you're stressed or anxious, we breathe faster. Like yeah. that's just our physiological response uh, to those emotions, and uh, to actually like uh, to actually change that breathing pattern, you're rebooting your body, your mind, your your spirit. Uh, and I mean, it's it's crazy because like I'll do it. And it's just breathing. We do it all the time, right? We're constantly doing it. Why? Why is that such a big deal? (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) I try not to. Okay, fine, fine, fair enough. You're one of those no breathers. Hers only breathes twice a month. That's right. Not a mouth breather, a no breather. That's like the the next flat Earth movement is the no. You know, no breath movement. Breathing is comes from the government. And it's the way that they control us. Okay, so I'm going to stop breathing. I predict that movement will be short lived. <laughs> Man, I hope so. <laughs> I think I we said like that one me, up. Flat Earth is is just a way to be mad at the world, and just to it's it's like focused controversy of a way like I'm going to be part of something despite however wrong it is. It's a so global what? issue. <laughs> my my favorite meme on it you know is if the earth was flat the the cats would have already pushed everything off of it (laughs) (laughs) so what's one thing that uh i'd love to talk about is uh we just had a really intense episode intense episode after these shootings uh, including 19 kids. Um, and one thing that I heard about the shooter in Uvalde is that that individual, um, uh, I think he's 18 years old. He wa- yeah. was 18. He was 18, yeah. Uh, he was bullied uh, in school. And and a loner. I guess what I'm trying to get at is uh, in life, we as men, we will encounter uh, hard situations. We, we all do. There's no exceptions to that. Uh, we're put here on earth uh, to test ourselves and to learn. Uh, and uh, when faced with uh, harsh treatment, uh, with confrontation, conflict, uh, that isn't fun. And in fact, somewhat devastating, uh, though, you know, those low moments are when we need to reach out 
to others the most. And a lot of people don't have others to reach out to, but we're seeing this epidemic and it is decidedly male uh, of, of the mass shootings. I think since 1980 and there's been, I don't know, hundreds uh, I think there were like two or three uh, perpetrated by women. I mean, this is a vast, vast majority um, a male issue. In the U.S., men die on average five years earlier than women. Men die by suicide uh, almost four times more often than women. Men commit 90% of all homicides in the U.S., while also making up 77% uh, of homicide victims. So there is this sickness, and it is decidedly male. And sometimes um, we're doing it to each other, you know, by whoever bullied him helped push that individual to that place. But what is, bullying isn't going to go away. How do we respond to that, especially for those who might kind of be alone and not have much of a structure around us? Well, I think where that starts is with how we raise our boys and, and you know, the way we educate our boys to, to try and help them learn to, to not be isolated. So if they're bullied or when the horrible things happen, yeah, you mentioned he was bullied and he was isolated, right? So if, if we can help our boys learn how to reach out when they need help, right? To, to say something, to, to talk to friends or, you know, their dad or, or whoever. Um, and of course, that flies in the face of those sort of masculine norms we were talking about before. Because to go and say, hey, you know, this is happening to me and it, it's really hard. You know, if you think, oh, I can't admit weakness, that's bad. You're not going to do that. And so I think uh, as men, we need to model for the boys that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to have a hard time. It's okay to turn and to support one another. And there's there's actually, you know, this, is, this applies actually to things like sexual harassment and stuff like that too. Um, there's research that shows like if we want to prevent sexual harassment and sexual assault, um, that, uh, male to male peer influence is much more effective than female to male. You know, so as you were saying, Ben, women aren't doing all the shootings. Women aren't, you know, women aren't doing this stuff. Gosh, maybe the women could help the, all these boys. Well, it turns out part of, because our masculine gender norms probably, you know, boys and men don't listen to the voices of women quite so much. And we need to change that too, right? We need a model for our boys. Look, women are just as smart as men in a lot of cases, <laughs> maybe smarter in some situations because of the way they were raised. We need to listen. But the other thing we need to do is to take advantage of the fact that men are and boys are particularly uh, able to be influenced by messages from other men. And unfortunately, the messages that are all too often transmitted from man to man are, you got to buck up, you got to be strong, you know, don't be a wimp. And we want to we want to flip that upside down so that people understand that true strength is being able to turn and admit it when you're struggling and when you're having a problem and say, you know, I'm really having a hard time with this. I'm really having a hard trouble. Could, could I get some help with that? 
that in the prison groups that I referred to, actually, that was the point where the, the men flipped from rolling their eyes at compassion to being all in. Whoa, wait, you know? wait, wait. Can you say that again? What the, the, I'd sometimes even ask it as a question. It usually would come out of men would say, we'd, we'd start talking about anxiety or sadness or whatever. And these are men who'd had a lot of anger and they held on to their anger because it felt strong. It felt powerful. You know, anger kind of does. And it's designed to. It's when you're fight, flight, flee, fight, flight, flee, and fawn, that's anger's fight, right? So it, it energizes us in a way that feels powerful. Um, and so uh, when we started talking about anxiety and sadness, these guys would say, wait a second, wait a second. I don't, I don't talk about that. In fact, I use anger to not feel that stuff, right? I use anger instead of that. And the hook was when I say, so which is stronger? The anger that you use to avoid the emotions that are scary or compassion, which would actually help you turn toward those scary emotions, accept them and work with them. Which is the true strength? This macho stuff isn't strong. It's it's pretending to be strong. Yeah. It's pretending that you're not hurting front. when you know you are. It's a front. Much stronger to actually admit it. It's much harder too, by the way, to say, actually, I'm really heartbroken. I'm mm. really overwhelmed with grief and horror. I'm really sad. That's tough. That's the true strength. And that's what we need to model for other men mm. and for our boys. Dr. Colts, I've heard you talk about this concept of true strength a lot. And my understanding of it is basically redefining vulnerability to rather than as a weakness to be a strength that um, in my life, I've had a lot of hard experiences. And I find that I keep it to myself because I don't want to come off as weak. Yeah. I don't want to burden my friends with whatever BS I'm dealing with. And I don't want them to think differently about me. But what I'm actually doing uh, is almost cowardly because I'm not showing my true self. Uh, self. I'm not showing up completely uh, to, to my friends, to those who I trust. And that's a hard thing to do. And it takes courage. It takes strength. And that's the real strength. Is that what true strength is? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, something sort of interesting happens. It's, 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 again, it's, it's a trick. I'm sure there are men out there. I'm sure that there are some people that actually have friends that if you said, <laughs> you know, I'm having a hard time today, they'd say, wow, you're a real wimp. But actually, that happens a lot less often than we think it would. A lot of times, more often than you would expect. I've been with some rough and tumble guys. A lot of the time when men actually risk it and say, you know, I'm actually struggling with this. I'm having a hard time with this. I'm pretty heartbroken by this. You know, you'll see other guys and you almost see them look a little relieved and go, you know, I know what that's like. I know what that's like. Or when you say, you know, I'm, I've, I've, I've seen this on internet groups with men's, you know, fa there's a Facebook groups for men and things like that, where a guy will say, you know, I'm really struggling. Uh, you know, my wife uh, just divorced me 
and I'm really devastated. And I don't know what to do. And the other guys didn't 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 uh, turn up. Well, maybe some of them turned up and said, "Well, you just got to buck up, little camper." But by and large, people are like, "Man, that's hard. I get it." So what happens is when we take the risk to the risk. to show our true selves and to share that stuff. A lot of the time, what we get back isn't what we think. A lot of times what we get back are other men going, yeah, I know, I get it. And that sharing gives them permission to say that. And my other question to you is, if the guys you're traveling with, you're running with, if you show your true self and they diss you for it and they say, oh, you're, you're a wimp, are those the guys you want to be running with? Mm. I would say no. Are those the people I want to be spending these precious moments to my life with? You know, I don't know. I don't know. So it is scary and it's uncomfortable because these feelings are scary and uncomfortable. But I think it's worth the risk. And I, I think, you know, it's a lot more courageous to to admit what we all know we all feel than to try to pretend that we don't have it and, and to put on the game face, you know. And so, that's always impacted me in a certain way. That's if you put on a front and you expect people to treat you a certain way and you're, they're not, and you have an expectation towards that and you judge them on, well, they're not picking up my signal. Well, you're not really giving a signal. You're hiding it. So when people don't yeah. react the way you want, I mean, it's, it was for me, like I suffered from that. Like I would, you know, kind of, um, be reclusive and wait for people to ask me what was wrong. And then I play the game of, pretending like nothing was wrong, just waiting for them to draw it out of me. <laughs> Cause that's kind of what it was. Modeled. Yeah. That was what was modeled to me. You know what I mean? I didn't know that that was the wrong way. That's just yeah. what I knew, you know? And I had, I had to learn, you know, through trial, tribulation, blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> uh, there's a better way. You know, I think it's easy for men. I think a lot of men get in this place where why doesn't even anyone care about, my feelings. Well, if we don't, if I don't show them that I have feelings, how would they know to care about them? Right. Well, let me ask. Uh, you know? Let me ask this: Is there a possibility that there also be a fear that men are scared of what to do when someone opens up to them about how they're feeling? So, if like yeah. say a friend of mine would come up to me and say, "You know, man, I'm I'm having a really bad day," is there a legitimate fear that? Say if someone was to ask you, Russell, you know, hey, man, I'm having a really bad day. And you go, uh, uh, how do I engage? <laughs> right. Is there a, I think, think that's a true there. I think it is a legitimate fear. And I think that's a fear that keeps us from talking about a lot of stuff. I think there are a lot of men that want to do stuff to change racism. But we're, you know, a lot of white people particularly. But we're terrified to talk about it because we don't want to say the wrong thing. Right. I think there are a lot of men who, you know, someone shares emotions. We don't know what to do. So I think what that requires is all of us to take a risk, you know, and and yeah. the, 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 the nice thing is that it actually it's there's no magic to it. When someone tells you they're really struggling, a simple man, I'm sorry or that sucks. It, it works wonders, <laughs> you know, we don't it have really to go does. into fix it mode like most guys. No. Well, but I think that's part of the trap of, 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 of sort of the, the masculine idea is that it's my job to fix it. And so that makes it scary because if you present, if you're having a hard time and I think I have to fix it and you present me with a really difficult situation, that's very scary for me because what if I don't know how to fix it? But mm -hmm. here's the thing, fixing it in that moment 
isn't what the person needs anyway. All they need is someone to see that they're hurting and go, man, that sucks. I'm sorry. I've been there, bro. Yeah. That's hard. Just the acknowledgement. And that's why we need to model that for our boys and model that Mm -hmm. for other men, because it's not that hard. But if you've never seen it, you don't know. And so that fear you're talking about is absolutely there because you, you haven't, you haven't learned how to do that. I mean, it's like dating. You know, if I could go back in time and tell my 16 year old self, Russell, all you have to say is, Hey, would you like to go get a cup of coffee or go to a movie? My dating history would have gone so much better. You got to start with, hi, I'm Russell. Well, I would start with, hi, hi I'm Russell. There you go. Right, right. Hi, I'm Russell. Yeah. I assume that I was I someone that I knew line. in class or something. I say, hi, I'm Ben. I'm Russell. <laughs> it doesn't work for me. Every time I try, hi, I'm Russell, they can see right through it. No, you lead with the First Amendment, Mike Murs. I do, I do. Do you know what, <laughs> you know what the First Amendment is? Oh do you know what the pre- precursor to the Constitution was? Do you know when it was written? 1215? Oh okay, okay, okay. Play the hey, music. Gorgeous. Play the music. Do you know about freedom of speech? Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> you know, I have a great example uh, that I'd, I'd like to share. Uh, and I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, Mike Burrs. Uh, but uh, year, a few years ago, um, I was at my bachelor pad out on Beacon Hill. And uh, you came over just to hang out. And uh, we went out on my balcony. And it was a nice day. We were just kind of looking out. Maybe we were puffing on something. I don't know. Um and just looking out at the view and we're just hanging and uh you started telling me about some struggles you were having and it related to uh someone who was in your tribe in your in your group uh who you're you were very protectful of and who was going through some unfair stuff uh and you got really emotional about it uh and I, looking back on it, I'm like, God damn, that like took a lot of courage for you to just like say, I got this shit that I've been hanging on to. I got to tell it to someone. And I, when I was sitting there experiencing, like you actually got angry a few times. I'm like, okay, is everything cool here? But I was just like, okay, I'm going to ride this out, see where he takes this. And... I remember thinking to myself, like, how honored I was and how lucky I felt that you trusted me enough to tell me about that stuff. And I don't know if I was any help. I don't think I was, but I listened. Um, well, and at the at the end of it, if you'll remember, I said, never share this with anybody. And, well, that went straight out the window. <laughs> I didn't tell details. Throw me right the fuck off the balcony underneath the bus right there. That's what happened because we were on your balcony. No, um, you know, uh, uh, I'm a very, very intense individual. Um, I never got that read from you, Mike. Yeah, well, maybe not on the show so much, but uh, before we started, you all saw the the, the fun intensity. Uh, Josh has seen it, I'm sure. Um, oh, yeah. Both on stage and uh, uh, at the uh, watering hole after. Oh, yep. And, uh, you know, part of that moment in my life. I played uh, the fifth. 
<laughs> well, you, you can't be incriminated. You didn't do anything wrong. Um, not that I know how that law works, because why would I? Um, so let's go on to uh, what we were talking about, though. Yeah, there was a, a rough moment um, there, and you, you were probably puffing on something, and the only thing I was puffing on was cigarettes. Um, and maybe I wasn't at that point. I'm not sure, because I quit smoking around that time, too. Um, so, uh, you know, I didn't have my... Uh, I wasn't self-medicating in the way that I had been uh, normally. Uh, that uh, due to a job that I had, so I couldn't do that. Um, and, uh, it, you know, if you had self-medicated essentially your whole life, you know, take off a month here or there or a week here or there, then um, it, that going away, basically when you start smoking pot, my understanding, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, Dr. Colts, uh, is when you start smoking pot, your your emotional uh, development is arrested. So if you start smoking pot in high school, you are basically a high school, your teenage, whatever, emotional. Now, it's not entirely true, but it's partially true is my understanding of it. Um, so I've smoked pot for a long time, or I had at that point, and uh, that was no longer a, a thing for me, um, something that I could be doing due to my employer. And... I had a member of my tribe, and if you want to see me get real passionate real quick, um, I get very passionate very quickly. I shared a story about Halloween and how I protected my tribe and got punched in the nose. So, it, and with no remorse, right? I'll do it again. I'll do it right now. Uh, but all that being said is that it, it was a tough time, and to share in that moment was very difficult. Um and yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it really came up or anything. Like probably you just said something and then I couldn't handle it. Well, to be so. fair, Ben's a very safe landing zone. And, oh, uh, I got, I got no worries on Ben other than he shared he's it. A big teddy bear. You know? <laughs> I love, I love my big teddy bear. I'm holding you up as an example, Merce. No, yeah. I, it was, it was a moment that uh, I had to go back to that individual and, that that was having the rough time which is nothing i want to discuss right now and really wouldn't be fair to them um yeah. but i went back to that individual and let them know hey look you know you're helping me at the same time so and that individual came back i don't remember at christmas or something right some family event and we, where we all get together and that individual said oh my gosh you know hey i can't believe you thought that i was helping you you never need help with anything you're always on point you know so i explained you know and you folks figured it out well we figured we already had it well we don't have it figured out i'm still me and they're still them and we're still struggling but that's part of life and that's every day all day and i think that uh confronting those not confronting those struggles is um cowardly to bring up a word that was that was used earlier and it takes a, a hell of a lot of courage to uh be brave in that moment and admit to yourself and others that you may need help, um, that you yeah. are struggling, that you are in a moment of weakness. And while uh, some people may take advantage of that moment of weakness, as has happened in our species forever, uh, you pick the right person, the right person, other than they share everything, Ben, um, and th they aren't going to take advantage of it. So, yeah. So that's where I think that you have to find that tribe 
Um, and you have to have those people and it's all part of that Maslow's hierarchy. Um, and when you find those people that are part of your tribe and that you can open up to, then that is where you should do it. I don't think that it's always a good idea to be open. I mean, I don't always think wearing your heart on your sleeve is a, a good idea. I think there's times when you should not do that. Um, yeah, <clears throat> when it could get in the way. Yeah, but certainly when it could get in the way um, and, and then overdoing it as well. Or if it's so not I, a safe place. I think that I think that uh, you got to you got to have courage. And you have to be brave to avoid it, to run away from it is cowardly. And that is if you are replacing it with anger, if you're replacing your heartache, yeah. your, your sadness with anger. Um, and, and I used to say all the time, you know, and I think I said to Ben, I'm either going to cry or I'm going to get angry. And it's really cool when you get both. And Ben saw that. And that's really, that's, he went from, holy shit, are you going to kill me too? Oh my God, are you okay? Oh my God, don't <laughs> kill everybody here. Oh, are you going to be okay, Mike? Is everything, oh Jesus. So. Merce, can I challenge you on one thing? I want to, I want to challenge you on one thing. I, I, I appreciate the sentiment because it is courageous to share and to, to connect with those emotions. But I, I don't know that I'd call it cowardly to not. And the reason I wouldn't use the term cowardly is I think it makes all in the sense in the world that tons of men are doing this because this is what we've been taught our whole lives. This is what we're supposed to do. This is what we see other men doing. So I think a lot of the time what you see is men honestly doing the best they can we just don't know any better. We've, we've been taught a way of dealing emo with emotions that just doesn't work. It's not, it's not that it's bad or wrong or cowardly. It just doesn't work to pretend we don't feel scared or feel sad or whatever. Uh, it doesn't work because we do. We have these emotions just like everybody else. And it, so, so it's a setup. You know, I don't think anyone's doing it because, you know, maybe they're doing it because it's scary and uncomfortable, but I think a lot of men are doing it because they're trying to be the best man they can. And they've sort of been taught that this is how you do it. I, and so what I, my message is we've been taught something that's wrong. Go ahead. Sorry. That's okay. I was, I just wanted to add on there. Yeah. I think that, uh, uh, that way used to work very well, right? The old way that we've been, that we are still being taught culturally. It, 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 things were uh, different when we were living in caves, let's say, or yeah. didn't have electricity or didn't know how to use horses or have the wheel different or whatever, problems, different didn't problems. know fire, right? So the way that you had to be in those circumstances all the time when the lions were chasing you constantly, maybe this was a really good way to handle these emotions, but not yeah. anymore. Maybe, maybe. But I don't what's know. Interesting, what's interesting is if you look at indigenous cultures – in many cases, the men in those cultures deal with emotion much more healthily than than men in Western cultures do. They don't have the same norms yeah. around that. They recognize that this suffering is is a, a part of life, and that it's really that it's really hard. So, do you think so part I don't of know. that is? Sorry, <clears throat> go ahead. Do you think part of that? Do you think part of that is recognizing what's important and valuable, and what's a waste of time? Because it seems to me like in the indigenous cultures, for example, like things are very efficient where they have to be. It's a means of survival. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that I think this is a much bigger uh, uh, conversation than we're having here about sure. the cultural differences, because um, there, there are huge cultural differences there that, that contribute to that. Um, 
Whoa! <laughs> what was that was this guy. That? that was the cat. <laughs> it was actually. You need to take the cat to some compassionate therapy if it's just <laughs> whacking you all the we time. We want to talk about your home <laughs> life, there, Ben. Yeah, <laughs> mean, like what I'm getting at is, you know, it takes me back to the mindfulness things. Like, why am I angry right now? Like, what's important? You know, is family important? Well, yeah, I would say for a lot of people, even from people like from a broken family, like who is your family? I like to use the word of the phrase fictive kin, you know, for somebody like me, that was my way out, you know, of my emotional prison, if you will. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much, Dr. Colt for joining us. I know you got to head out. Uh, do you have any uh, final words on uh, mental health month continued here for us guys? You know, I think I want to riff on what Johnny Spaz was just talking about when he said fictive kin. I think to start, if, if you're a man who's had a hard time even acknowledging vulnerable emotions, much less working with them, um, I think to start by identifying people we feel safe with. You know, is there one or two people in your life? As 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 Merz was saying, we don't want to just throw out everything everywhere, right? Because that it's it's not context appropriate in many cases, right? Mm-hmm. If you're in the workplace yeah. or things like this, it could get in the way. But we want to identify people that we feel safe with, so we can so we can actually share when we're feeling vulnerable, and maybe in those other contexts, just be a little more genuine. Right. You don't have to get all emotional. But when someone says, how are you doing today to say, well, you know, it's OK. It's it's you know, maybe I'm having a little bit of a rough day. And, you know, one of the things Murr said is sometimes the emotions get too big uh, to, to, to share in ways that feel manageable. And that's when it's good to go and talk to a professional. Right. That's when it's good to actually go to a therapist because they're actually, you know, when my car, some little things go wrong in my car, I can fix them. I know about this much about cars, but I can do a couple of things. But when something big goes is going on in my car, I take it to someone who knows about that stuff. And it's the same with emotions. Therapists aren't ooey gooey people who are, you know, or whatever people think of. They're people who know a whole lot about helping us work with big emotions. Right. So I got if you go to the mechanic, so figure out who your fictive kin are, or who your actual kin are, who your safe, you know, someone who might be safe to begin to to be genuine about those emotions with. And if it te- seems too big for those relationships, maybe think about talking to a professional about it, right? But thank you guys so much for having this conversation and for having me on. And I I, I love coming on here every time. Love to have you. Thanks so much, Dr. Colts. We'll see you next time. All right. See you next time. (laughs) Bye-bye. Take care, guys. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Let's take a break. That was just an incredible segment from Dr. Colts once again, bringing his wisdom and uh Thank you guys so much for really leaning into that conversation. What do y'all, what are some reflections? I thought it was very helpful the way he broke the analogy down at the end. It's like if if you, you can fix certain things on your car, if you're not a mechanic, but when, you know, things are really bad, you just, you know, take the steps to get it done. So you don't have to, so you can just move on with life. You know, I think emotions are the same kind of way, you know, that same kind of st- process. Yeah. I think it was kind of uh, 
very poignant that we had this conversation, you know, with Russell again. And I like the fact that, you know, Ben, you brought up the whole story of your conversation with Murs. It was apparently supposed to be top secret, so good job on that. <laughs> but um, now it's top. Yeah, Murs, I'm sorry, I didn't get consent from you on that to call you out like that. That's well, you, okay. didn't, you, you, did, uh, you didn't go past the first knuckle. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. but, uh, no, what I was, uh, what I was, oh, I, can't just, I just can't avoid that. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's all right. It's all right. Okay. One done. BS fart later. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I thought it was kind of interesting that you had that moment there because on this show, we've literally had two episodes that was really just about the four of us just bleeding our hearts out over a top. I mean, that was literally our last episode where we were supposed to do Mental Health Month, but then because of Uvalde and all the tragedies, we found that it was going to be a lot healthier for all five of us at that time to just talk about what it went down because otherwise it, we might not have been able to do what this episode we're doing right now. But then also we jump back even further. Ben, we had, what is it? The mm, episode, what 4.5 where you just went to us saying, look, I want to tell you guys about my problems I got going on mm -hmm. right yeah. now. I mean, that took courage, mm. that took a lot of guts, and that's what this show is about, is that we are trying to show people, you know, to quote the Mandalorian, this is the way that we can <laughs> get to a better place by just sharing, by just talking about the hard stuff. Because then you shared, Johnny shared some stuff, I shared some stuff, which I thought was never going to happen, but it did. And that's what, you know, was the best way to go about, you know, fixing ourselves yeah. and each other is just by having that almost domino effect of knowing that it's that it's okay to talk and look we're here even better than ever sometimes yeah that's an interesting <laughs> uh example uh i think for me i much rather come to y'all like in triumph you know like life is great i'm doing all this cool stuff and rather than it feels like if i'm dumping problems on y'all that it's like it's a drag it's kind of dragging you down into the mud where i'm at might be at in a given moment but it's also like uh dr colt said you got to figure out who you trust who you can talk to uh and you know we've been on a journey together it's what what is episode episode 15 now 16 yeah and we've been doing this for, well, 15, including the pilot, is 16. Plus and we've been doing this for a couple years now. Has it been two years? It's been almost two years, yeah. Wow. Holy moly. We've been through some stuff. And, it, I mean, we're, we're just getting started. But oh, yeah. we have also been through a lot together. And I, I have a lot of trust in you all. Um, and... Yeah, it felt it felt right for me to share what I was struggling with. Uh, but yeah, just I, I don't want to be a burden on people, but sometimes you you have to be mindful enough to know when like I can't carry this load by myself right now. Right, and also you got to figure out when is the right time to drop that load. Where is the right place to do it? 
right? Do you do it off the side of the road and not have it be dealt with? Or do you put it in the right place that you know it will be dealt with in the best possible way? You know, I mean, everybody, all four of us can no doubt have that problem of, you know, we all have a problem. We got something going on in our lives we don't want to talk about. It's like, I don't know. I don't want to be in the way of things. But then when when do you know that you're not going to be in the way, right? You'll never know until you actually just make you dip your toes into that water to see if it's the right current to go down. Yeah. And, uh, Murris, I know you've, you've done a lot of reflecting. You have personally come a long way. Uh, I, I really meant what I said that I felt truly honored that you were able to open up to me in that way. And I hope I was able to, to be there for you in the way that you needed at the time. Uh, and yeah, I know you've also just been on this huge journey yourself. Yeah, that's, I concur. I don't open up to the internet that much. <laughs> Not really anyway. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, that was a, that was an interesting moment in time for me. There was a lot of, uh, like I had an hour commute to work and it crawled at like 20 miles an hour. It was only, I think it was like 20 miles, 15 miles. It wasn't very far. And uh, yeah, I spent uh, quite a few of those mornings just, just, just uh, tears streaming down my face. I was just really unhappy, really, really unhappy. And I know a lot of that had to do with, you know, uh, taking away that self-medicating. Um, yeah. So that, that causes you know, some, some issues with how you would normally cope. Um, not that that's the only way I cope, but, uh, you know, it, it really brought stuff to the surface really quickly. Um, and then you couple that with recognizing what was happening to other folks um, within uh, one of the people was in, was in my family and, and then another person was, was a good friend of mine and they had essentially had some things happen that they opened up about. And I didn't realize that perhaps I had not opened up about those things myself. Hmm. So it was an interesting thing to be kind of alone with myself for an hour commute every day. And then I drove for a living. So I was a delivery driver. I mean, Oh, now I'm going to be alone with myself for eight more hours and then an hour commute home. So there was a lot of time to think um, and reflect and not be able to share that with anybody uh, at the time. I don't remember why I came down to your house. Like, I don't, that wasn't the agenda. I don't think, I think we were going to talk about doing something like this, but for whatever reason, it ended up being <laughs> on the agenda. So yeah, that stuff just comes out sometimes. Yeah, well, thanks, Merce. Do you have anything you want to say about your journey? So we talked a lot today about mental health, and uh, no, no pun intended. <laughs> it got me thinking about something. And if it's all right with you, Ben, I'd like to, I'd like to share it with you and and everyone here. Oh wow, Merce! Uh, it really means a lot to me personally. Uh, your willingness to open up to show that true strength. And we talked about the true strength being, uh, having the courage to show your vulnerability to people you trust. 
Uh, and even on this episode, I've, I've seen you open up in ways that uh, just constantly uh, has astounded me. And uh, just the level of maturity that you have, you have uh, brought to the conversations, uh, because that's definitely the word I would use to describe you and all of your contributions. So, uh, so tell us, Mers, uh, what mature uh, reflections are you bringing to the table here? You know, we've been talking about this true strength, and I, I wanted to know if y'all could help me with what is the strongest part of a skateboarder's brain? God! <laughs> Freaking Mers! <laughs> Got us again! What? The cerebro cortex. No! Oh my goodness. <laughs> Merzel strikes again. You're getting me all Twitter painted here. Oh, I cannot support that stand. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I wonder if uh, old Square 50s guy ever finished that book of his. Indeed I did, friend, my boy. After prolonged thought and writing, I finally made a book that will certainly be a New York Times bestseller. It's a therapy book and a memoir of yours truly that helps fight off negative thoughts the only way how. The book is called... Fifty Shades of Richard. Hey! <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, that should just about wrap things up. Any final words, fellas? Oh, cheeks. Sharing is caring. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself, which yes. was not Winston Churchill. It was uh, all well asleep before that. The best kind of ships are friendships. <laughs> Yay! All right, everyone, that will do it for us. Thank you for watching and listening to another episode of Sexy Dad Jokes, and we will see you all next time! Hey, thanks for listening to episode 15 of Sexy Dad Jokes. Please like and subscribe. And visit sexydadjokes.com to get some awesome t-shirts, mugs, and other merch that will be sure to keep the people talking. Celebrity characters depicted in this show are not affiliated with Sexy Dad Jokes. Here's in this episode for criticism, comment, news, reporting, teaching, scholarship, and or research. Until next time, bye right. Man, I did the wrong quote. Can you edit a new quote in there for me, Ben? I know what it is. The this is where that 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 fear of fear itself quote came from. The only thing I am afraid of is fear, and it's by Arthur Wellesley, Duke of Wellington. He was a British general and prime minister back in like 1700 something. 1600 something but it's an it's a really old like idea the the only thing i'm afraid of is fear so the only thing i have fear is fear itself it's all the same and several people have not necessarily improved upon it but changed the semantics of it so anyway i love that quote is that what it says in your pocket constitution
<laughs> no, what does it say in my podcast? Thou shalt Winston, Winston I, Churchill. Thou shalt Winston <laughs> Churchill. That's a great shirt. Can we put that at, on this, Jay Murray? At the conclusion of the convention, Benjamin Franklin was asked, <laughs> what have dem- you wrought? And he answered, a republic if you can keep it. You on that note, too, guess who asked him that question? I believe it was a woman. And it was around a dinner, but nobody ever references that it was a woman because it's a very key thing to And it was like an after-hours party or something. I can't remember all that. But it's a big party for a bunch of donors and rich people. Spaz just paused out. He's gone. He said, fuck it. I'm leaving. I don't want to hear anything else about the Constitution. Looks like he got into the shadow realm there, Jimbo. Liberty license. Speaking of uh, t-shirts... Uh, we get a new one? Oh, we get new ones? Well... Just in time for Father's Day, we got It's Okay, I'ma Let That Slide, and a Silent But Dadly, and of course, Real Men Own Tools, which uh, Doug out in Bellingham, Washington just bought three pairs of, so thanks, nice. Doug. Thanks, man. And check it out. Love it. I, I, I've, I, I have a few of those uh, items. Yeah, we did a whole unpacking video. Yeah, that was fun. And you showed us your Richard. I did. It was it was dead center. <laughs> there he is. Yep. Sexydadjokes.com. Okay, I'm gonna cut this part out. Well, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and you're gonna leave it in now. 